Stone slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back, Zadonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up Zadonov, Knights 5, Blackhawks 4! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two on a Monday, VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you until 6 o'clock and a big news day for the Vegas Golden Knights as it was announced earlier this morning. Pete DeBoer, Steve Spott, and Ryan McGill have been relieved of their duties for the Vegas Golden Knights. Kelly McCrimmon mentioned in his press conference that there would be a thorough search for the next bench boss for the Vegas Golden Knights. And we'll get into kind of our top picks tomorrow. It was a homework assignment that Darren Millard gave us before uh, heading home. And so we'll get into our ideal candidates for the Golden Knights. Now, granted, this is not what we expect the Golden Knights to do, but rather what we'd like to see for the Vegas Golden Knights. If you talk about new, new voices, different directions, what do we want that to look like? And I think I'd, I'd challenge all of you at home to, to spend a little bit of time tonight thinking about what direction you'd like to see the Golden Knights go in when it comes to their next head coach and what the product on the ice needs to be in order for you to expect this team to reach their ultimate goal. And that's to win a Stanley cup. So again, Pete DeBoer, Steve spot, Ryan McGill relieved of their duties earlier today uh, for the Vegas golden Knights. A new coach will be named at some point in time between now and the beginning of next season. And we got, our initial reaction, Darren and I. So let's bring in Chris Chapman, as he is the voice of the fans. We we bill you as that. So get ready, buddy. Uh, your your thoughts when you saw that press release earlier today? Well, I I was a bit surprised. Obviously, I think I think a lot of us were um, because I I felt that while when we were in the presser with Kelly McCrimmon a couple of weeks ago. He did leave open the possibility of of Pete DeBoer obviously not coming back, and and it's large part due to the statement that that you read off or you remembered or you quoted earlier in the show about you know the disappointment of not making the playoffs. But I kind of felt like enough time had passed, right? We were two weeks past that, and if something was going to happen, maybe it would have already happened. Um, you know, it, it it was weird because I I I. Got the the email very early this morning. It was about nine o'clock this morning, and and I was like, wow, I I did not see that coming. Now I knew that Pete was under contract. Um, he told us that he was under contract for one more year, but I never felt that the team was going to make a statement if he was coming back. Right? Mm-hmm. There really was no reason to. It's not like he was he was not under contract. He was under contract for years. So I just kind of felt like, well, if he's going to come back. He's going to come back. They're not going to tell us. Yeah. But yeah, I I was a bit surprised, and I think, you know, from from and Darren kind of alluded to it. I know you alluded to it too. You you when you do what we do, you you get into the, the the you 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 deal with these people, right? They become people that are part of your lives, whether good or bad. But they're still part of your life. I mean, we're we sit in press conferences with Pete. We sat in press conferences with Gerard. We talk to players, 
And I think there's always a bit of sadness when when someone loses their job or, or someone gets traded. And, and, you know, maybe for fans, it's it's easier to move on, right? Like, oh, well, I didn't like that guy for whatever reason. But it's still sad. Like, I, I, I would never call for someone to lose their job. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care, you know, at, at least for performance, right? Like, if we're talking stuff away from the ice, like, like you know, some, some players or coaches have been disciplined for, that's a completely different story. Right. But I'm not I'm not a general manager. So I don't I don't go out there saying this guy should be fired or that guy should be fired. You know, like to me it's it's not right because I'm sure there's people sitting at home that say, Oh, that Chapman guy, he should be fired. I hope they're not, but oh there there might be, you know, there there might be people out there who don't like me and think that I suck and, and that's fine. But it, it's disappointing. I, I, I was disappointed because I really liked Pete. I, I, I thought he brought some some Real fun mm-hmm. to pressers. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a funny guy, very very underrated funny guy, dry sense of humor, yeah. and I and I really enjoyed that. But you know, you you, you move on, and now we see where the organization goes. Um, we, I, I'm I'm very curious to see what they do, how long the search takes. I mean, there's there's something about it's almost like the off season when when free agency begins. There's there's that little bit of excitement mm-hmm. because now it's like all right, well, we 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 now have a new coach who's going to come in. Will will it energize the fans? Will it energize the team? Will it will it bring life and, and energy to T-Mobile Arena? I guess we'll find out. So the counterpoint to that is wouldn't getting healthy bring energy to the team? Wouldn't I, getting healthy, wouldn't the, the benefit of a four-and-a-half-month offseason in which, as Kelly McCrimmon stated today, missing the playoffs has humbled this organization, has humbled these players – wouldn't that in and of itself bring the energy that maybe you're looking for? I, I would have thought so because I I know when from sitting in the presser with Pete after the season, he was he was really, really ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. He wanted to start coaching this a fully healthy Golden Knights team tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a bit baffling, you know, because I, we sat and listened to the presser. It's now the second time I've listened to it. And... I heard Kelly McCrimmon say multiple times, it's about next year. It's about next year. Well, all we heard all season was injuries, injuries, injuries. So I feel like Pete DeBoer really didn't get the opportunity maybe to come to fruition with this, with this club, with a fully healthy Golden Knights team, right? Like, like I guess the, 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 the thing that, and, and we'll find out soon enough, I guess, mm-hmm. but what was it about Pete? that he couldn't have been that voice next year with a fully healthy goal, with a fully healthy Mark Stone, a fully healthy Max Pacioretty, a fully healthy Robin Leonard. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you bring in a guy who who is an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Maybe you bring in a guy who's right at the same level, or maybe you bring in a guy who, who's not an upgrade. It's going to be really hard to view that in the lens of upgrade, downgrade, lateral move, right? Because when you look at Pete DeBoer's tenure with the Golden Knights, he had a 650 points percentage. Like, it was incredibly ridiculous how successful he was in the regular season at coaching this team. You could also make the argument, and I'm here for it, that he was incredibly successful in the playoffs. However, you look at the two exits for the Golden Knights, to the Dallas Stars in the conference final, to the Montreal Canadiens in the conference final. The fact that it was, again, power play, lack of production. It was an inability to score when things got 
tighter and, and time and space moved away. And the fact that inside of those series, the Golden Knights really did control run a play. Yeah. Like you should not lose playoff series when you're controlling the shots for and against when you have the lion's share of scoring chances. There's something there that I think you can point to and say, well, if you weren't able to get by Dallas, if you weren't able to get by Montreal in a bubble season, then maybe in totality, this is the time to wipe the slate clean going into next season. Because as much as you want motivation to carry over from this year, this year to me was an incredibly tumultuous year for the Golden Knights. Yeah. With injuries, with everything they had to go through, all the adversity. So if you're looking to absolutely wipe the slate clean in terms of messaging, but you want to prove something to the world, I think that you have to make a, a you have to draw that line in the sand. You've got to make a decision. And this to me is one of those situations where I think you alleviate a little bit of pressure at the beginning of the year while allowing this team to lean into a little bit more of that underdog role. Well, they're, they're, they, unfortunately for whoever comes in and follows Pete, there, there's going to be a, a very, very high bar. because Now that depends on who it is, right? Because if you're talking about a well-established coach that has won before, if you're talking about a well-established coach that has gotten to the pinnacle, that knows what it takes to win a Stanley Cup, and you drop that coach onto this club with the players they have, then yeah, maybe that doesn't change the expectations. Maybe the expectations are even more so than they were last year for the Golden Knights. Well, and that's but, it. That's it, right? Like, if, if you bring in that Stanley Cup winning coach, mm-hmm. and there are, uh, there, to, there's a couple of them out there. And to be fair, there are more than one. Yeah. We're not alluding to, to one, one guy. Over the other. Yeah. But I think with the fan base, if you bring in a guy who's won the Stanley Cup, there there is going to be expectations, very high expectations, because this team and this franchise going into this season mm-hmm. had extremely it was basically it wasn't Stanley Cup or bust. But it kind of had that it, feel. It, no, it was. It was. So, I, I, well, it, it turned so, out to be, yeah. So that's that's the that's the big question here because like everyone, everyone's going to want to point to the systems. Everyone's going to want to point to how do you want this team to play on the ice? Do you want them to be a rush team? Do you want them to be a ferocious four checking team? Do you want them to be really staunch defensively and be more of a counter punching team? Like there's, those are all things that are on the table that are ideas in, in, in the mix. And to be fair, Kelly McCrimmon did not tip his hand one way. No, at no, all we have no this, idea what, what direction they're leaning. New voice, but a real clear idea of what that change needs to be for this team to get over the hump. So the main question for me, and it's going to be answered based on who they hire, how much expectation do you want to place on a team next year that's coming off of a very difficult season that had a ton of expectations going into last year? And I think that arguably that has led to moments where the offense has dried up. How much do you want to wipe the slate clean and alleviate some expectations by going with maybe a name off the board? Or do you want to lean heavily into it and say, you know what? We're never, ever, ever 
going to be in this position again where we missed the playoffs, where we expected to win and we didn't. We're never going to be in this position to strike with a humbled and motivated team. So this is where we have to go for it, leaning into the expectations. Well, I think because of the the fact that you have a veteran-laden roster, Mm -hmm. a roster that was built to win the Stanley Cup, multiple Stanley Cups, you have guys who've been captains on teams that have won the Stanley Cup. You have guys who've been captains on maybe the most difficult city in the NHL to play in. Yeah, you, the, the leadership is not something that should be questioned. The experience of this team is not something that should be questioned. This is a, a, a roster that, for the most part, made two consecutive Western Conference Finals. So I think the expectations for the head coach are going to be extremely high. Sure. And I, I don't I, I won't go as far as to say it's cup or bust, mm. but I think it's gotta be pretty close to that because I think when you look down the road, the roster's not getting younger. You have a a, a, a big name who comes off the books next year in Max Pacioretty, who is right now your best goal scorer. Mm-hmm. There is an extremely short and small window, I think, with this franchise. And that's not to say that there's not younger players, but I think of this roster is built to win a Stanley Cup right now. And those younger guys are going to have to play a role. But you're going to lean heavily on Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, because those are those are your best players. Those are the guys who need to carry you. So I think the expectations are going to be really, really high. I think no matter I, – I, I will say this. I don't think whoever they hire will be a young up-and-coming assistant. Mm-hmm. I, I feel very confident in that. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I I think that if I were looking at it from my perspective, and again, we'll get into more uh, conceptual ideas or at least names on the board tomorrow with Darren Millard, but I don't know that expectations is where you want to go right here. Like, I think this team's done their best work in the absence of expectations, and it doesn't mean that internally anything has to change, but I I just think the ability to go into a year where – the expectation isn't President's Trophy, where the expectation isn't winning the Stanley Cup. It's just get back to the playoffs. Find that level of comfort with your organization, with your team. Find that ability to play off of one another. Build yourself back up into a team. And and to me, identity for the Golden Knights next season is more so important than expectations. It is. I, I just think this team needs to rebuild what it is and clearly define who they are before they can really live up to the expectations they have for themselves. Well, and I think that would that would kind of go with who you hire as coach, right? Like I, yeah. I would imagine that whoever you hire is a direction and, and their style and their identity is kind of what you're saying you want for this team. And and you know, there's a lot of guys out there who are extremely different, very different styles. There's there's some really good available coaches, so I think based on who you hire, that's really going to send a message on what kind of identity you expect and you want this team to have. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how long it takes for the Vegas Golden Knights to announce their next coach, and then once we know who it is, we'll have a very clear idea of what the expectations are going to be for the Golden Knights going into next season. I don't believe they're going to change, right? Like, I think you look at Bill Foley, you look on down. The expectation every single year is to compete for a Stanley Cup. The hope is that you reach that goal sooner than later. 
We all know playoffs in three, cup in six. Well, the Golden Knights, they were able to make the playoffs. They were able to make the cup final. They do not have that Stanley Cup yet. And we're going into season six. So it's really clear that from, from that standpoint, this team is expected next year, whoever their coach is, whether it be an up-and-comer, whether it be a grizzled veteran, the expectation for the Golden Knights is to bounce back, is to get themselves back into the playoffs and do some damage when they get there. There are some things that are going to have to change. Power play is going to have to be massive. That's going to be the biggest thing for me. When it comes to the Golden Knights, when it comes to next season, understanding the personnel, once we have a clearer picture of who is and isn't on this team next year, the power play has to be, in my estimation, top 15 in the league. At minimum, for this team to continue to to move in the right direction or take the next step. Yeah, well, you certainly have the personnel in place for where it should be a very good power play. Mm-hmm. You've got some really good individual players. I mean, I look at a guy like Shea Theodore, and to me, he he's, he's incredible on the power play. I think Alex Petrangelo is really good on the power play. Obviously, Chandler Stevenson has shown that he's really good on the power play. And then you, we're not even, we haven't even mentioned Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, right. and Max Pacioretty. So I feel like this team, you're right, they have to establish the power play. It's something that has to be uh, imperative going forward, that this is going to be a priority, and this is something we're going to be very good at. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's safe to say, but I've seen some people mentioning it on Twitter that... If this team's power play is just a little bit better, mm-hmm. they probably make the playoffs. I'd agree with that. And and again, like you 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 can do that with pretty much everything, right? If they were twenty percent healthier, do they make the playoffs? Probably. If they would have been able to score just three, just three shootout goals, they would be in the playoffs. They would have been playing the Calgary Flames. Like that is as simple an explanation. Had they not gone 0 and 5 on a road trip, they'd have been in the playoffs. Like there are so many different ways, so many different points in the season that you can point to and say, if this, then that. The power play to me is the biggest one. That's going to need to be mission objective number one for the Golden Knights because in the playoffs, when everything gets tighter, in the playoffs, when everything becomes more difficult, the one area of the game that you have an advantage on is the power play. It is literally an advantage. And if you can make that a weapon, then scoring may not dry up the way that it has over the last couple of years for the Golden Knights when it matters the most. Yeah, and and, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it's obviously a vital part of being a successful franchise. Mm-hmm. And the teams that are really good, they tend to win a lot more games. It's just a fact. Yeah. I mean, when, when you look at the top of the list, you know, the, the teams that are at the bottom of the league tend to be not very good at the power play. I, I can't imagine Montreal is in the top 10 in power play. I can't imagine Arizona had a top 10 power play. In fact, I would venture to guess that they're probably in the low 20s, almost probably in the 30s. Probably. I mean, I mean I, I'm not looking, but I mean, I, I, I it's just a guess, you know, that. The teams that I would stink tend, tend to not yes. be very good. Yeah, I would imagine they're bad. And and the fact of the matter is, for the Golden Knights, it, it's all going to come back come back to different things. Power play is number one for me. Number two is answering the question of how do you want to win games? Like, do you want to be a team that gets up and down the ice? Do you want to be a team that's able to rely mostly on their offense to win hockey games? Or do you want to lean a little bit more heavily to the defensive side of the game? I think there's an, a, a, a real case to be made that this team 
can go either way. Like when you look at what the Golden Knights were able to do year one in the playoffs, they were a very, very good offensive team. And they won and they were elite at putting the puck in the back of the net. And then you look at what the Golden Knights were able to do in shutting down the Colorado Avalanche. They were an elite defensive team. They had the blueprint and they played it to a T to shut down some of the most dynamic skaters in the game in a seven-game playoff series. Do you want to lean one way or another? Do you want a hybrid of both? Do you want to just be a juggernaut? Like Those are all questions you have to answer here. But to me, pick that lane. Pick your coach. And then any roster changes that need to be made have to be made with the idea in mind that you are trying to serve your coach and what he does best. That's where the Golden Knights are are going to get into the timeline. When do you need a coach in place? I would argue the sooner the better. I would argue you want everything kind of figured out before the draft, certainly before development camp, which will be right after the draft. I just think that makes the most sense. I don't think that we're three or four weeks away here. I get the sense that even though we didn't get much information on what the next version looks like, I still have a pretty clear idea that I think the organization knows where they're going. Yeah, I, I think that's probably an accurate statement. I mean, I, I would imagine that they they don't do things without having a, a general idea. Like, this isn't a spur-of-the-moment emotional decision. You know, they took their time. Mm-hmm. To make the decision, which which led leads me to believe that yeah, they they, they kind of do know. Maybe maybe they may not get the first guy that they want, but I think they probably have a plan and they probably have a a short list of guys that they want. And I mean, let's be honest, this is an attractive destination for an established head coach. I would think so. I mean, I'm, I'm not even talking about the city. I'm talking about the fact that you have a you have a a owner who has no problem spending money. Mm-hmm. You have a team that has no problem. You know, we heard Pete DeBoer say it. You'd rather have a GM who gives you a full cap as yep. opposed to a guy who doesn't give you a full cap. You know, you don't want to be 20 million under the cap. You'd rather be, be pretty close. Of Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Max Pacioretty, like Mark Stone. Yeah. You have pieces here to build around to to establish or reestablish your identity. I think from, from just raw materials, any coach would be jumping at this job for the Vegas golden Knights. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's like I said, it's an attractive destination because you have a team that's close. Mm -hmm. You have a team that's two years removed from a Western conference final, a team that I think a lot of head coaches will look at and say, you know what, if these guys are healthy, this is a damn good roster. This is a roster that can win. I, I mean, I, I think that alone, and I, and I know some people would, would say, well, there's no security. Well, there's not a lot of security in coaching in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the shelf life of an NHL head coach does not last very long. I mean, I look at Dominic Ducharme, right? The guy, the guy went from the Stanley Cup finals to out of a job in, what, six months? Mm-hmm. You know, Elaine Vigneault was coach of the year almost, what, two years ago? And he's unemployed. So the shelf life of an NHL head coach is not very long to begin with. Yeah. So I think if 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 you, you throw that out the window because I don't think that matters to a coach. Oh well, the, these guys are on their third coach in in two year in five years. I don't think that matters. What matters is can I win there? Will they pay me enough money? Because obviously that's a factor. I, it would be for me, but I I can't imagine uh, that that 
again, this yeah. is an owner who's shown a willingness to spend money. So I don't think that's going to be an issue either. Yeah, I, I I think it's really interesting to see how long it's going to take. I think it's going to be interesting to see who ultimately gets the job and then what the expectations are going to be for the Golden Knights going into year number six. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with one-timers in which we, Chris Chapman and I, give you our second-round predictions. All that's coming up next on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. News and notes from around the NHL. And you know, we've kind of done playoff overreactions in this spot. We do have to get to the second round of the playoffs and mainly our predictions. But I just want to take a moment to recognize how incredibly wrong I was on Saturday. Like, it was an 0-3 day for me in terms of game sevens. It sucked. It was the worst. Like, I would imagine that my day in totality was worse <laughs> than the Toronto Maple Leafs losing again in the first round. But then again, like no one really cares if I go 0-3 on my Game 7 predictions. And to be completely honest with you, I picked them based on who I picked in the series, mostly because of chaos, less to do with the actual hockey that was being played. And to be even more transparent here, I went 2-0 on Sunday. And I didn't want to be 2-0 on Sunday. Like, there was a part of me that wanted the Penguins to move on. There was a part of me that wanted to see Jake Ottinger steal that series just because it would have been chaotic. It would have been funny. It would have been funny if it was Dallas and anti-hockey against Connor McDavid. It would have been funny. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Oh, You, you know, the, the funny thing about that that series is there was a point in the beginning of the season or near mm -hmm. the beginning of the season where Dallas had like four goalies mm -hmm. and we had no idea which one was going to be the guy. Yeah. I, th I think Dallas knows who the guy is now. Yeah. It did, like, is Jake Ottinger the, the biggest story out of the first round? Absolutely. Yeah. Unreal performance. What do you have, 64 him. saves last night? Yeah, it was, it was, as I said, a transcendent performance from Jake Ottinger. And his comments after the game were even better. Yeah. Like, as good as he was in that game, in addressing the media after saying, I've never been more motivated in my life to come back and get this done, and I promise you, that's the thing. I promise you, next time, I'm not losing. And and to be honest, like, I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was going to allow it to happen. The problem is, no one else can score on that team. Yeah. And, yeah. And if they, it, like... If Rupe Hintz was able to play, maybe it's a different story, but he wasn't able to. Tyler Sagan had plenty of opportunities, just didn't fall for him. He almost he almost put that one in yeah, in overtime. I agree. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, Jake Ottinger with a bigger chip on his shoulder, Jake Ottinger with more confidence and swagger might be very scary for a lot of teams come next year. Yeah, I, I will also add this about the Dallas Stars. We, I mentioned last week that this is my my wife's like real first go-around with yeah. the NHL playoffs. And she's very, very disappointed that Dallas lost only because her favorite name so far in the mm. NHL playoffs is Yanni Hockenpah. It's a great name. And and she said, Oh no, that means I don't I don't get to say his name anymore. So uh 
I said, I said, don't worry. There's always next season for for Yanni. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was great. It, it was that game was I was on the edge of my seat that entire overtime because I just kept saying to myself, is Dallas and I and I texted you guys. Yeah. I felt that Dallas was going to steal it, and Tyler Sagan almost yep. made it happen. But credit to Johnny Goudreau. That goal Perfect was, shot. Was, was an impossible angle, and there there couldn't have been very much room in which he put that puck to go in and, and, and send the Calgary Flames into the second round. Thankfully, Game 7 was watchable. Yeah. It was the only watchable it was a good game. game. It was the only watchable game in that series, but the right team did win. And let, like, let's set up for our predictions here in round number two we're gonna we're gonna start in the east we're gonna make our way to the west and we're starting with the battle of florida it's the panthers and the lightning who you got chapman this is tough because i i I really feel like tampa had to to lay it all out Mm -hmm. to beat the toronto maple leafs like that was a really tough series i thought they were out physical in that series i thought they were they were i don't know no 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 didn't you read toronto just blew it they just they just gave it away they didn't <laughs> I, play a good series at all they, yeah, they well, are the same old Leafs I don't think they're the same old Leafs I just think they were unfortunate that they ran into a team that has the experience to win a, 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 a really pivotal game seven and I did not have Nick Paul being the guy to score two goals oh you, you know what I did you know what's did? funny last year did you have Ross Colton as the guy no no, no. that's what Tampa does. You know what's funny? I have a lot of friends in Tampa, and my one buddy, he texted me. He said, I'm going to be honest. I was really sad when they traded Matthew Joseph for Mm -hmm. for Nick Paul. He said, but this is why this franchise continues to be the model franchise. He's right. They know what they're doing. And as far as this series, I don't have a really good feel because I feel like Tampa could be done. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they could... Just run out of gas. Braden but, Point, there's unknown as to whether or not he's going to be able to play in the series. Yeah. He's doubtful for game one. There's a back-to-back, which is a weird set of circumstances yeah. in this first-round series. To me, it becomes real, real easy. If Braden Point can't go, it's Florida. the Florida Panthers are going to win this series. But I don't think Florida was impressive against the Caps. Like, like I didn't they, they woke up in game five. I, I agree with you, but I just I look at the depth for the Florida Panthers. I think it's going to wear. Andre Vasilevsky looked very human until that game seven. He yeah. was fantastic in game seven. He but always is. The majority of that series, every other game in that series, he allowed three or more goals. Like, um, I, yeah. I, I think if Braden Point isn't an option, the Florida Panthers are going to win this series. I, I agree with you. I, I, and I'm, I'm going to go as far to say as I think Florida will end, I don't want to say dynasty. But the dreams of it. I think you got to win three to be a dynasty. Mm-hmm. And I think Florida will will end the three-peat effort by the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right. So Chapman and I are both taking Florida. So congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> for making the Eastern Conference <laughs> Final. Let's switch over to the Rangers and the Hurricanes. So this one's, this one's interesting for me because I don't think the Rangers win. Sidney Crosby misses game six. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think so. I don't think they win game five if he doesn't get knocked out of game five. And that's as much an indictment on the New York Rangers as it is a grandstand moment for Sidney Crosby and how good he was in that first round matchup. Here's the thing with the Rangers. If Frederick Anderson's not available for Carolina, the fact that Igor Shesterkin found his game bodes well for the Rangers. The fact that Mika Zibanejad, the end of the series, 
found his game. Yeah. That Artemi Panarin scores the winning goal in that series all bodes well for the New York Rangers. Here's my rub. For the last three years, every single time I have bought hard <laughs> into the Carolina Hurricanes being elite, what have they done? They go and they 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 flame out. They go and they lose. Yep. Every single time. And then abandon ship, right? When I jump off that bandwagon and I say no more, I'm not making myself a fool again. I am not going in on the Carolina Hurricanes. What do they do? They win. Yeah. They win a freaking series. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go with the New York Rangers out of spite for the Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes. Out of spite for a team that continues to make me look like a fool. I've got the Rangers. Well, I, I think I went seven out of eight in the first round, and the only one I got wrong was Carolina-Boston. Yeah. Carolina still has not proven they can win a game on the road, mm. but they will have home ice in this series, if I'm not mistaken. I think Carolina is going to get it done. I, 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 I don't know. There's just something about maybe they finally have turned the page, right? Like we, we kept saying, maybe the Maple Leafs have finally turned the page. Yep. Well, no, the book is closed on the Maple Leafs. But it's still open on the Carolina Hurricanes, the jerks, the guys that we all love to hate. Well, not we, but other oh, people I'm, do. I'm mad at them. Well, I think they're going to win this series, and then they're going to get demolished by whoever comes out of Tampa yeah, and, and Florida. I, I'm going I'm going Rangers just out of spite. And, and if, <laughs> like, I will not go in on the Hurricanes until they make the Stanley Cup final, and then in that case, they're going to lose because I go in on them. So they, there, just, there, There's an easy joke about, man, that's a real jerk kind of take. But Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm bitter, Chapman. You should I, be. You I should went, be. I, I, I have been the biggest cheerleader. For the Carolina Hurricanes for years. We love them. We, we are big a, fans. I said they've got all the pieces. I love Andrei Svechnikov. Like, they can get it done. Rod's a great coach. Yeah, Brendan Moore's a good guy. And then what happens? I keep picking them. They keep losing. <laughs> I keep picking them. They keep losing. In fact, hey, Carolina, I'm doing you a favor. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, well, I don't know because I, I, I maybe I'm the jinx because I'm going to pick Carolina. Oh, boy. That's not good. <laughs> All right, let's turn our attention to the West. Um, this is a really intriguing matchup, and I'm not determined yet if I'm going in for chaos or best possible matchup in the conference final. Colorado, St. Louis, who you got? I said before that I felt that the St. Louis Blues would beat the Minnesota Wild, and I said that I think they would beat the Colorado Avalanche. Mm. I am not going to come off of that. I think Craig wow. Berube knows what buttons to push. He's a guy who has won the Stanley Cup. Remember, he did it as an interim coach. Mm -hmm. I think he's got he's got Jordan Binnington playing like the Stanley Cup winning goalie, Jordan Binnington. First series the St. Louis Blues have won mm -hmm. since they won the Stanley Cup. I, I mean, this is a franchise that, that seems to just get it. They've got the right players. They've got guys who make plays. I love David Perron's game. He's he's shown up big time in the playoffs for the Blues. Yep. Ryan O'Reilly is is a true captain in, in in every sense of the word. He's a guy who who leads. I like the Blues. I I feel and, and look, it's again with Colorado, right? Second round, prove it. Until they prove it, I'm going to stick with the Blues. So, I hate that I'm agreeing with you, but I am <laughs> agreeing with you in in a number of different areas. It is bad, in my estimation. It is bad that the Colorado Avalanche did not face any adversity in round number one. It is bad that they swept the Nashville Predators. 
because they did it last year to the St. Louis Blues. They won two consecutive, two straight games. They were 6-0 and in the playoffs, and everybody was writing the piece about how they were going to steamroll the playoffs, and then they lost four straight and were eliminated in the second round. I still don't know what the Colorado Avalanche are going to do when they get punched in the mouth. And if there's a team capable of punching them in the mouth, it's the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, they're 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 a tough team. Um, you know, if you watch that series with Minnesota, they took Minnesota's best punch. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota's a team that that will punch you. Um, so I don't think Darcy Kemper was spectacular. In fact, he was pretty bad against the Blues this season. Yep. So I I'll be honest, I I I think Colorado it, they could be in a bit of trouble here. However, uh-oh. I know, I know where you're going. I'm going with Colorado Avalanche. And I know why. I dislike the fact that I'm doing this. <sighs> do I want to do this? I don't know. <laughs> this is so tough. Like, St. Louis, Calgary would be awesome. Colorado, Edmonton oh my gosh. would be so good. So, I listen, I, I, I've been wrong pretty much this entire way. So I I don't mind being wrong again. I'm going Colorado to get it done. I think the Avalanche are a different team. I I think that they're a team that will be able to take St. Louis's best punch. And Jordan Bennington's playing great now. What's it going to look like if he gets lit up? And then you go back to Billy Huso, who got lit up by Minnesota. I don't know. I don't trust the goaltending. Huso Huso played three games. He was really good in game one and then really bad in games two and three. Sure. Um, So if you've got to go back there, you trust that? Against I, you Gale don't, you don't have a choice. You don't have a Nathan choice. Kadri. That's my point. Like, all it takes is one game for Colorado to get to Biddington. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you the have wheels fall massive off. Massive questions about goaltending. Yeah. So I, I'll go Colorado. You've got St. Louis. St. Louis. The Blues. All right. Last one. Calgary. Edmonton. I really like Calgary. I thought the series against Dallas. They they had to work through. You know, you're talking about that the adversity that Colorado did not face. Yeah. Calgary had to face that adversity. A game seven, all the pressure on you. This mm-hmm. team that that ran away with the Pacific Division. You, there's no way you could lose to this terrible Dallas Stars team. Okay. Well, they took Dallas's best punch. They found a way to win the games they needed to win. They lost games at home. They got they got crushed in Dallas game. But I I'll be honest. I really like Calgary. I think they will. I think they will get through the Edmonton noise. I don't think they're going to have as difficult of a time. With the Oilers, because I'm gonna I'm gonna channel the inner Ryan Wallace here. I don't trust that Mike Smith will be able to play <laughs> anywhere close to the way Jake Ottinger did. I yeah. think I think Edmonton is gonna they're gonna have to score a ton of goals in this series. Mm-hmm. Goaltending wins. Jacob Marpstrom a lot better than Mike Smith. I think this is a series prime for Calgary to to really have a lot of success in. The best individual matchup is Nathan McKinnon versus Connor McDavid. The best legitimate matchup between teams is Calgary versus Colorado. You want to talk about best representation from the Western Conference in the Western Conference Final? It is unquestionably Colorado and Calgary. Two best teams in the Western Conference. That's what we want. But Connor McDavid went to another level. And I get it. A lot of people are going to say, well, it's the Kings. And that may be true. No. That may be true. I'm not one of those people. But Connor in game six and seven was on an absolutely different stratosphere than everyone else in the game. He had to be. He was great. Yeah. 
I don't think he's going to let it happen. As good as the Calgary Flames are, and they are the better team, make no mistake, especially with like a 70% Leon Dreisaitl, I think the Oilers are winning because I don't think Connor McDavid's going to allow them to lose. Man, that would that would set up a uh, if if it like it like you said if it ends up being Colorado and Edmonton, yeah, that's must watch television. It doesn't get any better. No, you got you got individually doesn't get may, any better. Maybe the two best players in the game in that series in Kale McCarr and Connor McDavid. You, you I mean, I'm I'm like a schoolgirl when mm-hmm. it comes to Kale McCarr. I love the guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's appointment television. I'm telling you, I'm I'm going full heel here. Leaning into Colorado, leaning into Edmonton. Embrace it. Full heel. Embrace it. I have just put the Vex on both of them. You're like Razor Ramon, the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Embrace it. Leaning right into it. Okay. Those are our official picks. These are your one-timers. Brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. For Monday, May 16th. We're back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right. Well, uh, we have it on in the television. I'm not going to spoil it for you in case you don't know the score, but U.S. and Finland right now playing in the World Championships. That game final from much earlier today. But I wanted to talk about the fact that Canada won again. They're now 3-0 and in pool play. Logan Thompson, two of those three wins. They crushed Slovakia today. Yeah. Five to one. Uh, Nick Holden had an assist. Not a good day for Zach Whitecloud or Nick Waugh, though, as both of them had multiple pen- Well, Waugh had multiple penalties. Zach Whitecloud had a charging penalty hmm. um, in that game. So, uh, but Canada 3 and 0. Logan Thompson 2 and 0. And I believe he's only allowed two goals in those two games. So, um, let me go back and see the first game that they played. They, uh, I'm sorry, they allowed three goals to Germany. Pretty solid team. Yep. And they allowed one goal today to Slovakia, who won the bronze medal in the Beijing Olympics. So uh, I wouldn't say a great opponent, but I would say a pretty formidable opponent, a decent opponent in Logan Thompson. Good job today. So he's now 2-0 and in Finland, and uh, we'll hope to see how he plays in the next one. Yeah, I, I think... Logan Thompson's doing a, a great job at the World Championships. Uh, highlight reel save from earlier today where uh, he dove for a puck, battling as as he always does. Um, to me, Logan Thompson's going to be one of the biggest storylines going into next season for the Vegas Golden Knights. The fact that he's getting international um, experience, the fact that he's getting games, like, you know, you look at it, you're announced to the roster, like how many games are you realistically going to get with, you know, the likes of a, a Chris Dreger on the team? Um, enough, right? Like yeah. two games out of the three is, is maybe more than I expected. It seems to be. like he might be their guy. And if he is, that's great news for the golden Knights because it gives you an idea of where he's at development wise at level. And I think that it, if you're looking at it objectively for next season, understanding that this team has to cut, cut salary cap somewhere. If you feel confident in Robin Leonard and Logan Thompson, then Odd man out would be Loren Brossois, but it saves you a lot of money. Yeah, two and a half million dollars against the cap. And that's important. I mean, that's, Thompson, well, not fully two and a half, but close enough because Thompson's 750000 yeah. I think, and, and Brossois 2.5 or in that range. So it gives you a little bit more flexibility. And, and you and get an extra million because the cap went up. And again, if, if you make, if you're comfortable making that decision, and the only way you're going to be comfortable making that decision, if Logan Thompson continues to develop and continues to get better, and the fact that he's doing incredibly well right now at the World Championships, 
should give you a lot of confidence in that idea. Yeah, because if you look at the and, – and just to really touch on it quickly, if Logan Thompson is able to save you that money, that could be the difference between Riley Smith coming back and Riley Smith not coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's another one of those philosophical discussions of what are the Golden Knights going to do? We know they're in the market right now for a new head coach. As earlier today, Pete DeBoer was relieved of his duties alongside uh, assistant coaches Ryan McGill and Steve Spott. But we also don't know what the Golden Knights are going to look like because there are going to be changes. We'll try to keep up to date on all those changes in the coming weeks. On the VGK Insider Show, have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll open the phones tomorrow so you can have your say. 